Hello and welcome to the 19th episode of the Commander's Contingencies podcast, where today we're going to be talking about a Rurikthar Echo Deck and a Roshin Meanderer X Tribal Deck. So the first thing I have to say is there's actually no magic news this week. I looked around and I didn't see anything. It's possible that I missed something, but I don't think that I did. I think people just had the Ikoria spoilers, and it's usually a little bit quieter after, or immediately after spoilers. So there's no MTG news. The second thing is, I, for the second week in a row, forgot to release an episode on time. What I always do is I'll schedule the episode And I always schedule it for a Monday, but sometimes I misclick. Sometimes I click on the wrong spot on the calendar, and it just gets scheduled for the wrong day. For example, this time, I accidentally scheduled it for the 27th, not when it was supposed to release last week. So, that's my bad. It has been released, and I did this twice. In the future, I will make sure that I have it right. Um, so I guess let's just get into the deck. Into the decks. Alright, so real quick, I'm going to explain the commander quest. So the commander quest is my eventual goal in building all these decks. So I'm building like roughly 300 decks with no overlap in cards. So eventually I will have built decks with every single card in Magic that is legal in Commander. That is my eventual goal. That is what I'm working on. And that is what these decks are a part of. So if you're like, why isn't this card in there? It's because it's really limited. And I'm trying to balance these for this scenario. I'm not balancing them for play. I do when that's possible. And I do want them to be as close as possible to playable, but I'm trying to make all of these decks that. And that's really difficult. So it's not any type of competitive decks because there's not really much else to go over. Um. First of all, we have a Rurik Thar, the Unbowed, Echo Deck. So Rurik Thar, the Unbowed, is 4 red green for a 6-6 with Vigilance and Reach. Rurik Thar, the Unbound, attacks each combat if able, and whenever a player casts a non-creature spell, Rurik Thar deals 6 damage to that player. Uh, This commander is pretty irrelevant to what the deck wants to do, and is basically just there as a generically gen- generically good gruel commander. Echo, if you don't know, and a small amount of cumulative upkeep is also here, is a mechanic that says during your upkeep after this permanent comes under your control, pay its casting cost or sacrifice it. So that's how that works. And the way that this deck synergizes with it is 
through cards such as either A, Eon Hub, which is five for an artifact players skip their upkeep steps, so you don't have to pay it, or B, with a creature that is called Thick-Skinned Goblin, which is one in a red for a 2-1, you may pay zero rather than pay the echo cost for permanents you control. And red thick-skinned goblin gains protection from red until end of until end of turn. So basically, if you have either of those costs, either of those cards out, you never have to pay echo. And if you have specifically Eon Hub out, you don't have to play cumulative upkeep either which is at the beginning of your upkeep, put an age counter on it, then pay a certain amount of a certain cost, depending on the number of age counters on it. Um, if you don't have upkeeps, you don't have to pay that cost and the age counters don't accumulate. Even if it does get destroyed, there's been plenty of time where the age counters haven't, have been not accumulated. So that's the idea of the deck. I'm trying to take advantage of not having to pay extra mana or extra resources by getting around these costs. So first of all, I'm just going to cover some notable cards of which honestly there are quite few. Um, a couple other notable things are pressure cards. So I just threw in some pressure cards, those are cards that basically deal damage to my opponents. And along with Rurikthar, it just makes it harder for them to do things. Whenever my your opponent, for example, taps a land, casts a spell, whatever it is, leaves land untapped at, before, when they pass the turn, whatever it might be, they will take damage. So I have a couple of those uh, just to, first of all, round out the deck, give it some way to deal damage, some way to win. Because, honestly, I'm kind of just accumulating value, and the value isn't really getting me anywhere. I'm not drawing cards or playing lands or anything like that. I'm just getting creatures, honestly, at a good rate. Honestly, most cards that have Echo even if they didn't have Echo at all, would still not be playable, but I do have to get them out of the way at some point, so I did throw them into this deck. Um, as of notable cards, as I said, there's a few, so I'm just gonna go over them. Uh, first of all, we have Yavamaya Granger, which is two and a green for two two with Echo, and when Yavamaya Granger comes into play, you may search your library for a basic land card and put that card Put that land into play, tap, shuffle your library afterward. So, this is notable. Um, I wasn't, I was pretty unsure of whether or not to include it in the deck, as it being able to sacrifice itself can be really helpful in reanimator decks such as Marin. But I decided to put it in because it synergizes so well, and I'm so desperate for cards to put in this deck that synergize. There are also so many different cards that synergize with Marin, and she's not really lacking, so I decided to put it in. Uh, next is Zozu the Punisher, one red red for 2-2. Two, two. Whenever land enters the battlefield, Zozu the Punisher deals 2 damage to that land's controller. So, 
basically, it, it's just a pressure card. Um, I'm kind of just covering one or two cards in each category because honestly, I can't think of very many other notable things. Most of these are either basically the same thing or I don't know. I think I'm going to cover more pressure cards, but really I can't think of any notable cards with Echo, so I'm just going to cover the ones so you get the idea of what Echo is. And then I'm going to move on to pressure like I just A Spell Shock. Spell Shock is two and a red for an enchantment. Whenever any player successfully casts a spell, Spell Shock deals two damage to him or her. So basically, it's just a pressure card. Not much else to it. Next is Crimson Honor Guard. Three red red for a 4-5 trample. At the beginning of each player's end step, Crimson Honor Guard deals four damage to that player unless he or she controls a commander. So if your opponents don't have their commanders out, they're going to start taking quite a lot of damage. Next up is Mana Barbs. So that is three and a red for an enchantment. Whenever a player taps a land for mana, mana barbs deals one damage to that player. So again, it's just a way to get more and more pressure, deal more and more damage. And the last and final pressure card is Citadel of Pain. So two and a red for an enchantment. At the end of each player's turn, Citadel of Pain deals X damage to that player, where X is the number of untapped lands he or she controls. So those are the pressure cards, and they help me just make my opponents more resistant to taking the damage and a lot of different things. Um, there's also one more that I just missed for a second. Impatience, two and a red for an enchantment at, at the end of each player's turn. If that player didn't play a spell this turn, Impatience deals two damage to him or her. So they get punished for casting spells. They get punished for not casting spells. They're just going to be taking damage no matter what. So that is that. Uh, those are the pressure cards. It's good to be able to deal damage to my opponents, and it's going to make it very hard for them to choose what they're going to do because it comes at such a great cost when these cards just keep on building up. There are also a few other hate cards, but in terms of relevant cards with cumulative upkeep, there kind of aren't any. Every single card here that has cumulative upkeep is basically just bad and sure it synergizes a small amount, but it's it's still bad. So I'm just gonna read a random one. Uh, we're gonna do decomposition. One in green, play only on a black creature. Enchanted creature gains cumulative upkeep one life, and if enchanted creature is put into a graveyard, its controller loses two life. So you don't have to pay a life, uh, a, more than a life, one life cumulatively every single upkeep as you cast the spell, after you cast the spell. Um, it, it's still really bad. Um, so that, that's the deck. Um, there's really not that much to it. It's just cards with echo, cards that stop the echo, 
and some random cumulative upkeep cards because there aren't really very many cards with Echo. So that is that deck. Uh, next up we have an X-Tribal Roshin Meanderer deck. So Roshin Meanderer is three hybrid red green for a 4-4 legendary creature giant shaman. And it has tap, add colorless, 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 colorless. So that's four, oh sorry, colorless, 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 colorless. I think that's right. So that is four colorless. And you can only spend that mana to cast spells with X in their mana cost. So you get the idea. It is tons of cards with X in their mana cost. I know I said I'd go over this sooner, but I knew there would be some cards in Ikoria that would synergize with X, and I wanted to see if they would synergize with this deck. Turns out they didn't. Um, they're not in the right colors, but I have had a lot of a lot of times where I've re I've realized, oh no, this new card goes into this deck and not really in any other deck such as the new Trample card. I really want to put that in the Stonebrow deck. I don't know if I'm going to. Um, I might want to build another Trampler's deck. I don't know. I think I'm just going to wait on that one. And if I find out I want a card in the Stonebrow deck, or if I find out that there's another uh, deck, uh, another trample deck I can build, or whatever it might be. There's a million different reasons that I would make that switch, or that I would use that card. But for now, I'm just going to wait. Because I want to keep my record of no changes perfect. Um, I do think, I think it'd be, I think I'm going to have to make changes but it is kind of nice to not have to do that right now. And I definitely don't want to do that too much because that just makes it so that my old episodes are too irrelevant. And there's a, there's a lot of different things, but there's a lot of different reasons that I don't want to do many changes. But anyways, I'm just gonna start with with the deck because i've just been ranting uh, about random stuff you probably don't care about so the idea of this deck as you can probably tell is just to cast stuff with x in it and take advantage of roshin's ability or mana so first of all there's not really very many things I can pull out and say, oh, this is notable, because most of it is just kind of bad. So I'm just going to try and hope I don't miss too much. So first of all, I'm going to talk about uh, Unbound Flourishing, which is two and a green. Whenever you cast a permanent spell with the mana cost that, with a mana cost that contains X, double the value of X. And when of you cast an instant or sorcery spell or act in, activate an ability, if that spell's mana cost or that ability's activation cost contains X, copy that spell or ability. You may choose new targets for the copy. So, 
uh, that just makes literally everything that I'm doing better. Uh, there's not too many other cards here that just enhance what I'm doing. In fact, I don't see anything else that just enhances everything. Um, that would be it. Of course, I am running a lot of ramp, which arguably does that. And I, I'd agree with that. But, whatever. Point is, um, I have that and it enhances everything. Uh, in terms of other notable cards, I would say Vivian's Arcbow is notable. One in a green for legendary artifact. X, tap. Discard a card. Look at the top X cards in your library. You may put a creature card with converted mana cost X or less from among them onto the battlefield. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So first of all, I will be able to get a fairly nice activation off of this. The downside of this is that if I get a, car, a creature with X in its cost, then it's going to be zero. And of course, I can always whip. But because of the amount of ways that I can take advantage of it, and because there actually aren't that many creatures that would just die or be completely useless, if I got it off of Vivian's Arcbow, I would say it is quite good and honestly, I think it's pretty overrated. I don't think it'd be playable really anywhere else. Um, uh, next up is Doubling Cube. Two for an artifact. Three, tap. Double the amount of mana, each type of mana in your mana pool. I mean, yeah, it's pretty good. We've got Sentinel Flute. Five for an artifact. X, tap. Search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost X or less. Reveal it. Put it into your hand. Then shuffle your library. There's a lot of different reasons this is good. The main one being I can use Roshin's ability to pay for it. And if I get a card with X in the mana cost, then X is considered as zero. So, for example, I could get Ivy Elemental, which is one X green, and it enters with plus one X plus one plus one counters on it, by only paying one mana. Or something with purely X in its mana cost for free, such as Ugin's Conjurant. So, it is quite good. I also have a, a couple of cheaper things that I could grab to pretty good effect. Next up, we have Bargaining Table. So, Bargaining Table isn't great, but it's good to be able to put into here. 5 for an artifact, X tap, draw a card. X is the number of cards in target opponent's hand. Um, in an opponent's hand, actually. It's really bad, but here it's still really bad, but it's somewhat, no, it's absolutely terrible, but it is the least absolutely terrible that I could envision it being. Um, okay, so basically, uh, for instance and sorceries, they're just X stuff, uh, for example, release the gremlins. X, X, red for sorcery, destroy X target artifacts, create X, two, two red gremlin creature tokens. I mean, there isn't too much notable here. There's Perforos' intervention, which is X and a red for sorcery. 
Choose one, create an X1 red elemental creature token with trample and haste, sack it at the beginning of the next end step, or it deals twice X damage to target creature or planeswalker. So it's all right in this deck, but overall it's pretty bad. Uh, there are a lot of different ways that I can destroy artifacts or enchantments. In fact, I think I'm running like at least six ways. Oh geez, I see four, I see I can think of seven ways off the top of my head, but who knows. Um, in terms of creatures, uh, one notable creature is Steel Hellkite, which is six for five, five. Artifact creature dragon with flying, two. Steel Hellkite gets plus one, plus zero until end of turn. And X, destroy each non-land permanent with converted mana cost X, whose controller was dealt combat damage by Steel Hellkite this turn activate this ability only once each turn so there's a lot of different reasons this is good first if i have roshin i can go with a higher mana cost and pay a lot of mana second reason is if i don't have roshin or i have some uh, some other source that i want to pump the roshin meander of mana into i can just pay zero and destroy all of their tokens third is Oh, I, I guess there's not really a third reason, but it's just generally good to be able to get rid of a lot of permanents on your opponent's boards, and it's pretty cheap. So, it works very well here. Um, next up, we have Cracklin. Not super notable, but... I do think it represents a category. Cracklin is X green green for a 0-0, and it comes into play with X plus one plus one counters on it. I have multiple cards like this, and they just are kind of bad, but I can somewhat, maybe a tiny bit, justify them in this deck. Really, I can't, but in comparison to any other deck, I can't at all. So, as I said, there's not really very much notable about this deck. It's very one-dimensional, and a lot of the cards do very similar things. So, I'm gonna end off with Commune with Lava, which is X red red for an instant. Exile the top X cards your library until end of turn. the end of turn. Your next... Until the end of your next turn, you may play those cards. And I'm just going to say, go over some artifact and enchantment removal. I've also got a couple of creature removal. And a good way to win is through player uh, X spells that deal damage equal to what you paid. Um, so we have a return to nature, for example, is one green for an instant. Choose one. Destroy target artifact, destroy target enchantment, or exile target card from a graveyard. Again, I have a lot of different cards that destroy artifacts and enchantments because there's a lot of cards that say X, destroy X artifacts. There's a lot of cards that have activated abilities. For example, like XX1, destroy target non-creature artifact with converted mana cost X. And there's just, and they're just generally a good thing to stick in the deck. So, I do have a lot of that removal. Alright, now it is time to get into the collection statistics. 
So to start off, we have 1,565 cards. We are moving along. Uh, of course, I don't have any overlap. I check that all the time before I do the episode. Um, of course, because I don't want to just change stuff in the middle of the episode. And you'd actually be surprised how much I do that. Sometimes I'll realize, oh wait, this doesn't work how I think it does. Like just today, actually, I had Sin Prodder in a deck that focuses on skipping upkeeps. So I'm just going to edit that out because I don't want confusion. Um, but I do make a lot of mistakes. But I'd like to not have to hear you, not for you not to have to hear me making mistakes. That is one new thing that I want to try with this, is if my voice sounds weird, if I have a cold, whatever it is, I don't want to tell you because you don't want to hear that. You probably don't care why my voice sounds a little weird, if it even does sound weird, because a lot of the times I don't know, and you probably wouldn't notice. And I think overall it's just a better viewer or better listener experience and presenter experience if I don't say anything. So let's actually talk about the collection statistics. So in terms of color distribution, I just made two red-green decks, which are the two colors which already had the highest uh, numbers in distribution. So right now I have 299 red cards, 285 green cards, and then all of the other colors, white, 213, blue, 203, and black, 172. Red and green are solid 100 cards in front of white, blue, and black. So that's kind of a substantial lead. Um, that is definitely problematic, and I will work on that. Um, but honestly, I don't think I'm going to do much. As I've said before, I build by inspiration, I go over the decks that I have built. I just don't think I'm going to do much. Hopefully over time it self-corrects. But right now, I don't like that, but I'm actually okay with it. I'm not going to build a deck that doesn't interest me in order to have better color distribution. Uh, in terms of colorless, we have 277, which as I said is too much. It should be roughly two thirds of what the other colors are, which if we average it out, it's probably roughly 240 cards in the other colors. So I should have 180 colorless cards. So I have about a hundred, too many of those. Um, in terms of type distribution, again, I mean, we've been pretty consistent with this, with a pretty good distribution. First of all, we have 890 creatures, which is a little bit over half, which is just about right. 157 sorceries, 128 artifacts, 9 planeswalkers, 66 lands, uh, 164 enchantments, 143 instants, and some amount for tribal. 
I'm sorry, it's very hard to select tribal because it's such a small slice of pie. So, uh, that is pretty accurate, uh, as it has been for a while. I don't think I have to do much conscious thought on that. I think it just fits in right. I do think I have to be careful not to necessarily build around card type too much. Uh, just to build more around themes because it will self-correct by itself. But who knows? Uh, in terms of rarity distribution, we have 631 commons, 511 uncommons, and 374 rares. So that's pretty good. Those should all, if we were to stay with the same uh, pattern as the entirety of magic, those should all be roughly the same, and which basically means I'm ahead of the curve on uh, rarity. We have 49 mythics, which should be roughly one-eighth of everything else, which is also much lower. So that's the collection statistics. Uh, this has been a short episode for a lot of different reasons. First of all, there was no news. Second of all, the two decks I was going over were fairly linear, fairly repetitive, and just really quick deck text because there wasn't much to go over. Uh, this isn't the end. I do still want to go over card of the week, but uh, this is going to be quite a short episode in comparison to my other Part of the week. Okay, so the card of the week this week is Dockside Extortionist. Dockside Extortionist is one and a red for a creature, and when it enters the battlefield, you get a treasure with each artifact or enchantment your opponent's controls. Control. So as I went over a card that only cares about artifacts last week, when I did that, in order to be able to analyze Dockside Extortionist this week, what I did was I broke down the average numbers of cards in each CMC rather than overall, because it would help me better analyze both of these cards. So, for Dockside Extortionist, I calculated on several different turns. Changing the turn changes two things. One, what your opponents are going, which artifacts or enchantments your opponents are going to have access to playing. Uh, if, for example, on turn two, artifacts at CMC two are going to be to count as half because there's a 50% chance they'll be played before you or and a 50% chance they'll be played after you. So as you go along your turns, you get more of the artifacts counted because they fall below or at that CMC and you get more and your opponents get to draw more cards from their sample size. So as you'll see, it goes up quite drastically. So if you cast Dockside Extortionist on turn two, you're going to get an average of 1.53 cards. 
That's a 30% chance of two, a 36% chance of one, and a 15% chance of three. Um, that, that's alright. It's pretty, it's a pretty small amount, but it is useful to be able to save up your mana. Plus, you do get a body. Next up is turn three. So on turn three, you get an average of 2.88 treasures. So at this, we are getting to the level of other rituals. Other one in a red rituals that add three mana to your mana pool. But this is better for a lot of different reasons. One, you get a body. Two, you get to save that mana. Sorry, I bumped the microphone. Three, uh, you get mana of any color. So, there's a lot of different reasons that Dockside Extortionist is better than most other rituals on turn three. Uh, on turn four, we have 4.41 on average, which is a lot. We're getting four or five artifacts, four or five treasures. That is awesome. Um, so that's basically one of the best rituals ever, if we cast it on turn four. On turn five, we're getting an average of 6.29 treasures. That is so many, I'm sorry, did I say turn six? That's on turn five. We're getting an average of 6.29. That is literally so many. On turn six, as I accidentally said last time, we're getting an average of 7.4. I did stop doing the math after this because you get the point. It goes up a lot. After turn six, it doesn't go up as drastically because there aren't very many artifacts or enchantments people are playing at CMC six or above. So the only thing going up is the number of cards that they draw, which while it is a significant part of it, does not affect it as much as draw plus the other part. So Dockside Extortionist will consistently give you a significant amount of mana if you are patient. But the longer you wait, the more likely you are to get huge, huge payouts rather than just the small ones in the beginning. Thanks for listening. You can find my personal architect at I'm a Johnny, A-J-O-H-N-N-Y. You can find my commander quest and with the link in the description below. You can find my commander quest account with the link in the description below or at commander quest. You can see the link to my collection statistics in the description and my website. You can also visit my YouTube channel, Commander's Contingencies. Also, there's a link in the description below. I will also post any relevant links, such as the decks that I went over, or if there's any news, I will post links to my source or things that have more information.
I will see you next week. Oh, there will also be time blocks to tell you what times certain things in the episode are happening.